Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. So here we find ourselves again. Yes, indeed. Well, here, um, as in our our place, but not not here, as in I don't know if we've ever been here, as the show is concerned, before. Oh, how do you mean? We're in a totally. I feel like we're in a a, a new. I felt. I I really liked this episode, and I felt like it was such a departure from anything we've seen before. Oh, see, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna clash on this. Hi, folks. I'm Tim. This is Zompocalypse Now, and I'm Dustin, and also the same place. Folks, last week Rick didn't really die. Yes, and we had a time jump, and now we have Judith. Uh, who is basically our Carl surrogate for the next part of the storyline? Right, because we're we're diving in we're diving into the TV adaptation of the Whispers storyline, where Judith is going to take on the role that Carl played in the comic. And so, for a very long time, we've had issues with how The Walking Dead treats reality, <laughs> or or behave behaves in a realistic time and space, and it goes all and the way back distance. And... <laughs> yeah. So I mean, for a, a a large part of this goes back to second season. Right. Where uh, Sophia was lost in the woods. And every episode, the cast would sit there and spread a map out on top of the hood of a car and say, we have to go find the little girl lost in the woods. And then None the of them would, would go look, look right. for the little girl. And then, of course, we've had the things with, with how gas expires, which they finally actually dealt with. Yeah. Finally, nine seasons in. Um, there are problems with distance, there are problems with time, all of these things. And so this episode is the first full episode of this time jump, which is apparently about six years into the future. Yeah, something like that. Six-ish years. And I uh, every every second of the show, every time they showed this new world, I got I felt more and more like the show just doesn't care. Really? I need... Yes. I... I was just. I, was, I need explanation. I need an uh, explanation. So, so basically, over the course of the episode, you have these little scenes, these little vignettes, really, because there, there's there's not actually a through line, not really to the story. Okay, there's there's an illusion of one with this new group of people who arrived in town, right? But they're being shipped off to Hilltop, so I don't know that they even matter, because for the most part, what we got were these little vignettes of things. Where people were acting like way people just don't act. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so here's an example. All right, so we are at the kingdom, and you've got this boiler thing that is, you know, uh, they've got a leak, and the only person who seems to care or want to fix this thing is a teenage boy. Okay, and I'm watching, and I'm watching this scene, and I'm going seriously. There's not an adult human in this town who thinks it matters, who thinks that it's important that this thing actually work and not spring leaks, or if it does spring leaks, it can be repaired. There's not a grown-up there who cares. 
There's not a grown-up there who looks at the city that they live in and says, for the good of us all, I should learn this skill set. That somebody that that this kid who wants to go off and learn these skills is being told no. And I'm looking at this whole scene and I'm going, who the hell are these people? And how the hell are any of them still alive? How can they? Oh, oh, God, everybody was acting so dumb. <laughs> and, you know, oh, God, oh, oh. So, so here's the problem. I could just go, I could go on this extended rant and not even get to what happened this week. So it's probably All about better. the boiler. It's all about the boiler for you, huh? No, no. And that's just it. <laughs> that's just one piece of it. So here's the thing is that it basically as the episode progressed, there are these great little bits, some of which I quite liked. But the overall world that they paint in this Walking Dead six years on world is... I don't even understand how the how any of this is even possible at this point. I am just so confused about what they are trying to say is is going on here. I just don't understand. Because as a whole, it doesn't make a lick of sense. Okay. Um well I I I will say that I got I kind of feel like I got it, honestly. Um because it's you know, five you know, five, six years later Things have moved on in a, you know, where, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the communities are a little estranged, if I understood correctly. They, Hilltop and Alexandria don't have the greatest relationship anymore. And, uh, you know, I don't know how the kingdom fits in. In fact, I, I, it, made it, it made it kind of seem like Carol taking, taking Henry to learn these skills was was almost like a peace offering or a peace gesture towards Hilltop or something. That's kind of how I read it. Uh, we should probably talk about what happened this week. And then you can say what you really liked okay. about it, and I can say why it drove me crazy. Okay. So, apparently, um, uh, years have passed. Uh, Judith and her team, she's out on patrol with, uh, with several people. Um... Uh, that she kind of wandered away from, and they're all frantically looking for her, which makes more sense, actually. So so she brings her, you know, her team, like, runs up and they're like, you found new people? It's been so long since we've seen the new people. And and she's like, exactly, that's why I saved them. And and so like, oh, should we bring them back to Alexandria? Is that is that going to be good? So, like, they finally decide to, like, blindfold them. and But that one girl has got a head injury, so they decide to take her. And, and they blindfold them, and they take them to uh, to Alexandria. And everyone in Alexandria is, like, completely shocked. Just, like, like, they haven't seen new people in a really, really long time. Which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. And then, so... So essentially, there's a Michonne shows up, and she's like, "Why are there new people here?" And and oh oh, we forgot. I missed the part where like the whole opening is basically her talking out down to the river, talking to Rick. Yeah, she's basically talking about how you know it's really hard, and and she misses him, and it's really hard, and the world is terrible, and, and there's no hope, and there's no certainty. And I'm just like, okay, all right, go ahead, go on, keep going, Michonne, whatever. Yeah. Whatever backstory we don't have here. Right. And the weird thing about it is 
like the the world she describes in that first little opening monologue is not the world I saw, especially con- considering Alexandria, like what Alexandria looked like. Yeah, well, that's another one of the contradictory yeah things that keeps popping. Maybe up maybe you know she feels that way, and and especially considering what we learn later in the episode. I think maybe she just feels that way because he's gone and she's just letting out all of her bad feelings out instead of, like, holding them in. Like, she's saying these things not because she believes they're true and not because they are true, but because if she, she doesn't want to hold them inside. Because I have a hard time feeling like she believes the things that she says at the very beginning considering what we learn about her later in the episode. Well, and that's that's an area that hopefully the show will dive back into later because that's one of the areas. So, so the changes in in Michonne's personality in terms of her very right. negative view towards other people, obviously something happened, right? And so consequently, I, yeah. I'm presuming at this point the show is going to give us a backstory there and tell us what it was, this thing that happened. Well, I mean, you, and when she was changing, you see that X on her back and it's like... Something, something definitely happened. We missed something. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hopefully we're going right. to see or hear what about that it or thing something. Was you know that's that's a that's a safe assumption we should be able to expect to have whatever backstory because you know things have obviously changed and we'll hopefully get some of that filled in because you know essentially like I feel like her like we are not going to accept new people because we have to protect ourselves is like you said completely out of character for her and completely out of character for the vision that Rick and Carl had for for uh for Alexandria going forward right and I think that that that's that's not one of the parts that bothers me and unless they don't do give us a real explanation i mean it it seems like the kind of thing they would definitely have to do so anyway um the new people show up and and they're put in quarantine and the the hurt one is taken to uh the infirmary and you know that doctor has survived for six years which is a shock (laughs) so later in front of the council uh, they have to give up all the weapons. And later in front of the council, Michonne proves that, like, the leader of the group, the new people, uh, is a liar. Because she says she was just a, a waitress in the old world. But it turns out that she was has a prison tattoo and she snuck a knife through. And then later, the, the new people are, like, discussing uh, what they should do. Like, if they should, like, go after Michonne because she's the conceding vote, or if they should just let it happen, get kicked out when their friend is better, or what, and and uh, it re- it's revealed that the girl who was hurt, her necklace, which, which uh, the leader of the group got from the infirmary, has a razor blade in it. <laughs> and so she's just, like, chock full of weapons. She is, like, Mad Max in it super hard at this point. <laughs> And so, I guess she decides to go and, like, take on Michonne. But when she gets to Michonne's house, she realizes that Michonne has a five-year-old son. Dun-dun-dun! I'm not even sure what her logic is there, because here Michonne, in this whole... Uh, council scene where they go before them and, and 
give their backstory and tell everybody who they are. And there was the bit with the music teacher and the deaf reporter or the woman who was a reporter who was, who was deaf and her sis younger sister. Um, I couldn't tell if they were actually related or not. That was what, I mean, that's what they said is that they were, they were sisters. Um, yeah. So Michonne does the whole challenge about the, the prison thing and how you know, you're lying to us, which didn't, entirely make a whole lot of sense to me because in this world six eight nine ten years however long yeah. it's been at this point how much that actually matters is a very good question right um but okay sure you know again michonne's very suspicious because of something that happened so her solution is to in the night sneak out where they're staying and go and try and kill Michonne. I don't necessarily know if it was if it was to go out and kill Michonne. Like the way they were talking about it. Well, what 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 else is she going to do? She's sneaking out in the middle of the night. She's got a knife in her hand. She sneaks up to the window. What is she, what else is she going to do, Dustin? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. That's just it. It's like I I don't understand. I, it, it's I don't understand what the what the logic is there, but she sees the kid and then she knocks on the door and hands Michonne the knife and says, "You missed one." Yeah, and Michonne's like, "Uh, thanks." And Lenny's like, "I wouldn't trust me either." And Michonne's like, "This isn't actually helping, but thanks." Right. <laughs> and so the next day, basically, Michonne decides that they're going. You know, she, they can't stay. She they shouldn't stay here, but they can stay. Right. Uh, she'll, she'll take them. Maybe maybe she could take them somewhere else. And then they're like, you're going to Hilltop? And, you know, like, like it's, you know, this huge, huge shock that she would consider going to Hilltop. Yeah, and they reference something else at Hilltop as well. Another one of these pieces of backstory we don't have yet. Where, you know, things haven't been the same since she dot dot dot. Right. And whatever whatever it is that, you know, whatever Maggie did or whatever become of Maggie, that seems to be the implication there. Um, but again. Right. Well, not only that, but but in the Carol part of the storyline, it, it like I said, it implied very strongly that, that her taking Henry to Hilltop to learn how to be a plumber or whatever is like a really big deal. Well, certainly Ezekiel is super hyper protective at this point in in his life apparently because he looks at the possibility of Henry going off to Hilltop as being like this huge huge you know scary thing and right that's less there seems to be an estrangement between the settlements but more of a you know, if he leaves, if he gets, you know, if I can't see him, then he's in danger. Which, again, seems to be a piece of backstory that we don't seem to have. Right. Something must have happened in in the past involving Hilltop that's made relations between the other colonies strained. Well, and of course we were seeing something of that with the way that Maggie was trending towards her interactions with everybody else. Um, yeah. Before the before the leap forward, although one would have thought that maybe the death of Rick, quote unquote, death of Rick, would have been 
I don't know, maybe more of a unifying effect, but you know, again, we don't know. We don't know what's happened in the years in between. Right, right, exactly. We don't know nothing. Don't know nothing yet. So Michonne is taking the survivors up to to Hilltop to see if she can pawn them off there. Uh, meanwhile, Carol is taking Henry to Hilltop. And she and he are going through some industrial complex, and he hears someone screaming, and and Carol's like, no, stop, don't. But he goes running off to save whoever's screaming, and we discover that it is a trap by the Savior, or what's left of the Saviors. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so they take all of their things... And they're like, we're going to let you live because all those years ago you let me live. And Henry's just not having it, and he tries to fight them, but they don't kill him. Thank God, because, you know, how much of an insane thing would that have been? So later, uh, Carol, in the darkness darkness of the night, Carol goes back and finds them and sets them all on fire. So that ends the saviors as a threat, I'm guessing. Yeah. So this whole sequence just drove me nuts. This is one of the sequences oh, yeah? where there. I mean, first of all, the whole bit with Carol shows up in the night and basically, you know, does that thing that Carol does when she just wants to let you know that you have made a terrible, terrible error and you now you will now pay for it in every conceivable way. It's a really awesome scene, but. Um, so, <clears throat> so at this point, apparently the saviors have become like highwaymen. Yeah. Or, you know, okay. Which apparently nobody knew about, even though, you know, six years have passed and these people have to be somewhere. And it seems highly unlikely that they would be laying a trap if they didn't know that there was a reason to lay a trap, which means this must be a relatively well-traveled road. Which means right. that the the odds of them not knowing that the saviors are basically out there being highwaymen are actually pretty small. Which means that it's really really stupid for Carol and Henry to be traveling by a, by cart um, by themselves, which doesn't make any sense anyway in the world that they live in with all the walkers around. I don't care how badass Carol and Henry are, um, or at least how badass Carol is, and how um, I don't know stupid. Henry is yeah. in this entire sequence. Um, so whatever. Uh, but yeah, so then Henry, uh, ignoring anything that he probably has been told or taught right. or informed of by anyone who is smarter and older and less dead than he is about to be at some point in the relative near future, the way he's acting, runs off, again, in an incredibly stupid move. Mm-hmm. Then, Then, when... All of this stuff is going on. He attacks again, despite the fact he's massively outnumbered, has no chance of winning, and gets his ass handed to him because he's an idiot. Then, (laughs) uh, when Carol sneaks out in the night to go kill all these guys, where's Henry? Asleep, eh? Okay, where's... Where where is are any of them at this point? Because it's daytime, then it's nighttime. What have Henry and Carol been doing in the meantime? 
that Carol can come hunt these guys down in the middle of the night, despite probably not knowing where they are. She manages to find them. These people, and there's like a dozen of these guys or more, not one of them is on guard duty. They're all asleep. Well, they're, they're, they're the dumb saviors. They're the dumb saviors. Yeah, apparently they're, al- they're smart enough to stay alive these last six years. Yeah. But, apparently, but not on this night. And then, as cool as it is, as badass as Carol is in this scene, everything, every little piece of her world where we've seen her come to, to terms with the fact that being, you know, a murderer, a straight-up murderer, is not what she wants to be. She then promptly does that. And again, I don't know. We don't know what's happened in the last six years, but we've just taken a gigantic step backwards for her in character development. I don't know. I don't. I. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's so hard for me to judge. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I liked it, and I liked a lot of the things that happened. <laughs> oh God! I. The fact that Henry is even alive at all because he's clearly a moron. Right. I don't care that he's a teenage boy and all teenage boys are morons. I am aware of this. I used to be one. But in the world that he lives in with everything he's seen and everything he's learned, if he had died in this in this episode, I'd be like, well, you deserved it, you idiot. Right. I mean, he's so dumb. And Carol, it's just, I mean, this whole sequence... From from the boiler to Carol killing them all. And again, the scene where Carol kills them all is awesome. I love Carol as, as kind yeah. of a monster. Well, I love that she woke the guy up. She woke him up and was like, I'm about to murder you. And he was like, oh, no, we'll just leave and you'll never see us again. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> and, and, I mean, as, as an individual mm-hmm. sequence, it was very, very cool. But in the context of the rest of the Carol story for the last several years, and even the Carol story in mm-hmm. this episode, I was just like, what are they doing? So that's that's one of the scenes that really, I was just, that whole sequence with, with this, from, from the boiler to here, I was just like, what the hell? What the absolute hell are you guys doing? So, okay. So there's, there's that little piece. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, oh, and so we have Judith back at Alexandria. Mm-hmm. And Judith, we have a scene that is basically a rewrite of a scene in the comic where Carl used to go and talk to Negan. Yeah. And so here's Judith sitting on the steps outside of Negan's cell with no context here to know whether or not anyone else knows. I mean, she's right out in the open. Surely people have seen her sitting there chatting with Negan before. Right. No real context of how Michonne might feel about this. Well, I mean, he's got a window. Like, there's got to be, I mean, he's, he, there's got to be enough of, of Negan's rehabilitation. Because he's got a window out into the street where he can just yell. I'm sure he yells at people all day long. Yeah, it's just, I, it's, it, again, without, without any context here, I, don't, I didn't mind this scene. Yeah. Um, I thought Negan's story about the dogs was an interesting little metaphor for what's going on because, you know, Judith is talking about Michonne's 
how Michonne is reacting to the new people. Right, and I love their little interaction where where she where he's talking to her and she starts packing up and he's like, "Hey, where are you going?" And she's like, "I only want your help with the math." And he's like, "Why the math?" And he she goes, "Numbers don't lie. It doesn't matter if you're a good or a bad person on the inside." <laughs> and not only that, she sits there and and he basically gives the moral of his story about not trusting people, and she's like, "Yeah, how's that working out for you?" <laughs> <laughs> It's a great little exchange. And his little bit about, you know, when she's doing the math problem about air airplanes traveling. And he's yeah. like, have you ever seen an airplane? She's like, no. And he goes, do you think you're ever going to see an airplane? She's like, probably not. And he goes, then who cares? Yeah. You know. But it's a great sequence. It's actually one of the bits that I really, really liked. Um, although I am a little, I'm a little concerned. And I realize it's the Walking Dead world. I'm a little concerned about how much this 10-year-old kid can just wander off. And I realize there's a grand history with, you know, not knowing where Carl is. And, you know, so she's just following in her brother's footsteps. But <laughs> it's like, okay, so when she goes off with the group at the beginning and she's with all the adults and she wanders off. And she wanders off pretty far, apparently, that they have to, like, run to try and find and search for her. And it's like... Okay, none of the adults are paying attention to where the small child was. Oh, wait, this is The of Walking Dead. Of course, no one cares there. where the small children are. <laughs> yeah, and I just, you know, and you know that Judith is, is you know, more than capable. I mean, she, she sniped those walkers. Like, pap, 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 pap. Like, you know, they didn't really have anything to worry about. Not really. Somebody who knows a lot more about guns and small children can tell me how realistic it is that, you know, she's shooting the way that she is considering her body mass versus the kick of that. Well, and not only that, later, <laughs> later she's like sitting on the stairs, like fiddling with a, with her, you know, gun. And, and Michelle said, like, why does my eight year old have a gun? She's like, hey, what did I tell you about this gun in the house? <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's a it's it's a strange little world we've built here, right? Um. So what else happened on this? Oh yeah. So Eugene, who finally has a cool hairstyle, right? Or or at least a better hairstyle. Uh huh. Um, and has this idea about setting up this radio? No, no. Father Gabriel has the idea. Oh, Gabriel had the idea? Okay. I thought it was Gabriel who had the idea. Or maybe he said well, Eugene... It, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Eugene t- Eugene told Father Gabriel sometime in the last six years that if they go to this specific spot, they might be able to get a better relay for their their uh, radio wa- radio system. Well, it, it's, it's, it's the top of a very, very tall water tower. So, I mean... So, yeah, they go to the water tower, and, they're, and things do not go according to plan. Walkers show up. They scare away the horses. Uh, and Eugene manages, because no matter that he seems to be a lot more of a badass in the last six years. Right. Because there's a, scene, er, there's a scene early on where he just wades into the walkers and just starts head stabbing. And it's like, Eugene. Right. Wow. He's just like, ah, oh, fine. Cool. I guess I'll kill these guys. Once he fixed his hair. But he's still Eugene. He's still awkward. And so, you know, there's this whole bit. Well, okay, so they're being chased. I'm guessing they're chased all night by walkers. 
And uh, well, first of all, he he kicks out the ladder on accident uh, to the water tower, and, and so he, when he lets go and drops, he lands poorly, right, and screws up his knee, and and then they run all night. So this whole this whole situation, by the way, is, has got a backdrop of Rosita and Gabriel are now a couple, right? Apparently, and Eugene apparently is like not a fan of this relationship there's this really awkward bit where eugene is kind of like well i'm not sure this is really a the best of all i'm not sure what i'm saying here but i'm gonna fumble around and make it clear that i probably still have feelings for you right and uh that, that seems basically what they're doing and, yeah but anyway so, so they're trying to avoid the walker herd yeah and they like sneak down a riverbank and cover themselves in mud and it's the scene from uh, from last week's uh, preview of the... You can hear the walkers whispering to each other, Where did they go? We have to find them. Yes, and unfortunately that scene was, was spoiled last week. I mean, we it's it's the that's the last scene of this episode. Yeah. Where the, basically the last word, sounds we hear are what, are... what are the whispers? These aren't... These are not actually walkers that are talking to right. each other and spoiler alert for the comics and what's to come it's the whispers are a group of uh it's its own little this little society that has um, basically disguises themselves as walkers and they whisper to mm-hmm. each other so that's that's the next big threat because don't they walk in the, the herds right Mm-hmm. Yeah, they basically pull a, a nick. Yeah, you know, cover themselves in in gore and and walker skins, as if I recall from the comic, right? Yeah, uh, and so therefore can move among them without getting gobbled on. So that's where the episode ends. What did, have we left anything out? Let's see. Um, Michonne and her uh, all strangers must go. We don't get anything from Hilltop. No. We see that Aaron has a new prosthetic arm. Yes. We basically wrap up the Carol and Henry scene with them picking up Daryl, who is wandering out amongst the wilderness. Living rough. As living rough. I don't know. Is he a hermit? What, what, I don't, we, don't, we don't know what Daryl's doing. I don't know. I have this feeling that he, you know, he has since since seeing Rick. Like, that scene, that the last scene we saw of, of Daryl where he just, like, is crying and just turns around and walks away. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he ever went back to a town. It could be. I mean, it's certainly, uh, and that would that would stick with you know, that would be in character for him. Yeah. So, so I think that's everything. I think we've covered covered everything that actually happened. So, we've already touched on the fact that I think the whole Carol Henry bit is just screwed up beyond belief. I mean, I think it, it doesn't make a it doesn't make any sense. Uh huh. So here's my larger picture issue. And this is this is why I was as I was watching this I was really kind of just annoyed beyond belief. This is set in Virginia, right? Yeah, something like that. You know, because they're not too far from DC, they were able to go and have their little trip to find the the plow a few episodes back, or first episode of the season, I guess. Because it was really bothering me about the state of the world that they're in right now, six years on. The state of the world they're in. Yeah. Virginia is not very big. Virginia is, and I quote from Wikipedia, that, that you know, very important uh, 
side of all things. It is 200 miles across and four, I'm sorry, 430 miles across and 200 miles tall. All right. At its, at its peak. It's basically a triangle. Virginia is basically a triangle. Okay. In Virginia, there are several fairly decent sized cities. Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Chesapeake, Arlington, Richmond, Newport, uh, Alexandria, yeah, uh, Roanoke, and Portsmouth. Okay, I was born. I was born in Portsmouth Naval Hospital, so it's like the one time I've been to Virginia. My brother lives in Virginia. There is around the world that they live in this little this, these little pockets within a very short distance, just a few hundred miles. There is all of this technology and supplies. So we have this we have this boiler where they're having trouble with, right? Mm-hmm. In six years, nobody went to one of these places and found a plumbing store. Nobody went to one of these places and cannibalized the parts from something. Portsmouth Naval Hospital is a naval base. Yeah. Okay? There is there is all this stuff. There's I mean the six years has gone by and okay, they've got a windmill now. But what have they been doing for six years? This world this world should be vastly changed. They are they are nowhere near so far away. From major places where they could get... I'm not talking about food and drugs and all the things that we expect to be gone at this point. I'm talking about physical things that can't be carried by a couple of people on, in, you know, on their back. You know, these, are, these are people who have organized communities and not one of them decided that they were going to make a trek with a group of people to defend themselves and a wagon and bring back all these supplies from cities that are not that far away from them. <laughs> They could do it for D.C., but they couldn't do it for any of the other cities. They keep talking about how things are physically falling apart in the kingdom, yeah. how the infrastructure is breaking down. And I'm thinking, and, and again, teenage boy is the only one who seems to care. I'm just like, who are these people and why are they still alive? And why does The Walking Dead show think this makes any sense? I mean, these people, these people operate in this bubble that you know for a long time we've sort of accepted this because they were on the farm okay well the farm is the farm it's in the middle of nowhere and and they were in the prison and it's a prison and all these different things but these are like settled communities how long have they been at alexandria they've been at alexandria for like eight years now the hilltop has been a viable settlement gregory aside for you know since since the 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 walking dead first came to be a thing. Um, same thing with the kingdom. These are all places that have been around since the zombie apocalypse happened. And this is the places that were built. I just, I'm looking at this going six years has gone by and you folks have not advanced at all. Yeah. Okay. You have a windmill goody for you. There's not even there's not even there's not even a rope bridge across the what is it? The yeah, Memorial I don't know. Now? I just I'm looking at this stuff going. So basically, in this episode, what we have is Carol has gone back to being a murderer. 
the, the the children have all grown up. The adult actors, there's only so much you can do mm-hmm. making them look six years older. I don't I don't care about that. But the children have all grown up. But Henry has gotten stupider. Um, Judith has turned into basically Carl 2.0. Yeah. And Michonne has become Angry Rick. I don't know if that's... <laughs> But one episode in, we you are you are you are casting such a wide net for one episode in, and I don't think you can give. But, but here's here's here no and 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 you're right and you're wrong, because what we saw over the rest of the previous part of this season was them asking these tough questions about you know what Rick's worldview and and all these things that are about building a better world and making a new place and going forward and having this, this, you know, this viewpoint where we have to think about what the world we're leaving to our children uh-huh. and, and all this stuff. And in this episode, everything that we're seeing is showing that all of these characters have stepped back from that, except for the children. Well, except for one child, um, the other the other child in this in this sequence, not counting not counting little brother, uh-huh. um, you know, the teenage boy Henry is just you know setting himself up to, to die stupid. Um, and and I'm looking at this whole thing going. So, are we supposed to be okay with the idea that everything that that the characters were pushing for? At the end, of the the first part of this season didn't come to anything because that's that's what this episode shows us is that they haven't made any advances, they haven't built up their world. Their the world is starting to crumble. All of these townships are basically, you know, living in their own little bubbles and not interacting each other, you know, in in any kind of meaningful way. Aside from Ezekiel's fair, which I guess is coming up. Which we don't have a whole lot of information about, but it's apparently yeah. a big thing. Which would could I just it? I felt I was so frustrated by watching basically all of this stuff that we're building to, all of this idealism that The Walking Dead was finally looking at, which Rick, quote unquote, died for. And this episode, the the best parts of this episode are a small child. And Negan. <laughs> no, but again, I really, I just, I just feel like, considering what we had to work with for the first six episodes, I liked what I saw tonight. Based on, at least stuff has happened. There's obviously been some sort of history has has happened. Maybe. Maybe things broke down. Maybe they tried to make a go of like being a, you know, a, a big community. Maybe Maggie left with those lesbians, and and you know now she's gone. And whoever's running the hilltop now is a jerk. And this is just a minor setback in a, what's really a good community. Like you know, because I wouldn't think that Carol would be taking her son to train to be a plumber or a or a boiler man or whatever in the hilltop if there wasn't some kind of good relationship and you know so i think i i just 
I think you're throwing, like I said, you're throwing too wide a net for one hour of television. Maybe, maybe, and I will have, I will be happy to be proven wrong. But, but you know, there you're probably not going to be because you know the Walking Dead loves to make us miserable. But I just like let's keep a little bit of hope, just like a scance, just a just a smidgen. We do. We have we have a little bit of hope, and it's 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 the really great relationship between a sociopathic mass murderer and a small girl. <laughs> that is my hope right. spot in the Walking Dead right now, and that's not a good place to be. I just, uh, I mean, I'm, like I guess yeah. I, I was, I was hugely disappointed, and, and I, I, I think a lot of it just comes down to, the, to, the, to one of the things we've talked about a million times on this show, is that The Walking Dead doesn't understand people. Yeah, and I, the writers of this show will always want to treat the characters of, they just want to treat people as awful. That, yeah. that even, even when you have these great little hope spots. You know, they turn around and then say, oh, oh, by the way, no. You know, and I, and I realize it's a show with drama and conflict and all these things. I get that. I get that. I mean, obviously, it's The Walking Dead. What else would you expect? Six years. Six years go by and we're here? Really? 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 Fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I just, I am, I am happy to have things be better than this going forward. I mean, I just Well, you know, and, and I would still I'm still on the I'm still on team no matter how much I enjoyed this episode. This season could totally turn around and become like my favorite show and I would still be like I think it's time to wrap it up, gang. Oh, yeah, I know. You know, not, and it has nothing to do with the, like, you know, I don't want, I mean, unless they were, are able to do something like ER did and, you know, just like completely change the roster of this ensemble and make it, a, you know, strengthen it in a new way, I think that this show needs to end. And I think that it's probably on its way to ending. I think maybe we might be able to pull one or two seasons out of the Whisperers, but then after that, like, I think the last thing I picked up in the comics was that there's some sort of, like, corporate takeover of Alexandria. Like, I was, you know, it's a lot of people standing around in boardrooms now, basically. I think that, I think maybe, you know, the rest of the season and one more season, give it, you know, have it be end at 10 years. And then have a new Walking Dead show with characters from Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead and whatever new spin-off nonsense they want to do. Yeah. Um, this this particular part of the story, I'm concerned, and this episode this is this episode kind of reinforced that for me, which is I'm concerned that unless they really want to make it about something other than the comic, in its arcs, yeah, it's kind of stuck in this in this conflict structure, which maybe works in a monthly comic uh, that you you know expect certain things out of the comic medium i guess i think you look at you look at the comic medium and there's there are literal expectation differences between that and tv and film and it's one of the reasons that, that adaptations often don't work from comics to film the way that the fans would want them to because right. two different types of storytelling so so looking at the treating the tv show as a thing which kind of 
touches the major beats of the comics as time goes by might not be the way the show needs to go. And if it needs to be its own separate thing, then it has to make a decision about what kind of world it leads to. Because, it, again, it just felt like stagnation. It felt like a step backwards. And and that I don't that that's not helpful for storytelling. So yeah, I think I you know rest of this season, and maybe one more year because other than that, I think they're spinning their wheels. So, so yeah, that's that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, just, you know. Yeah, it, so that's okay. We're we don't have to agree. Right. We don't. And we, and we often don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys for listening to us rant, or me rant, anyway. And, and you know, Dustin being positive and me being negative. Hey. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening to us tonight. And if you could give us a comment or a rating on iTunes or podcast.com, that would be fantastic. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Dustin, thank you so much. Thank you. And again, folks, thank you for listening to Zompocalypse Now. We'll be back next week with more. Yes, more. Zompocalypse Now is recorded and produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey. All rights reserved.